Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer, board, recorder of videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream crafting the deep in which I build right and prepare for our next session of Call from the Deep. If you're playing characters Gotwald, Maxavra, or Toro, this video is not meant for you and will be full of spoilers, but for the rest of you, welcome. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. You can join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net, and for streaming, we use OBS Studio. We are celebrating a glorious Cowboys win on this Monday over the much-heated uh, rival, the Eagles, a very good team, division leaders. So that was a big win and a very statement win. We love the Cowboys in this house. <laughs> but we are going to be talking about uh, the Wreck of the Golden Crown still didn't quite make it as far as I had planned. Um, we kind of took a long time doing uh, a plan, which, I mean, we talked about this during the, the, the post-session chat, but rarely do we actually get the players to reconnaissance, properly scout, get some information, and then act on it and actually execute a plan that causes me to have to, like, you know, kind of change my plans a little bit in terms of like, okay, well, I don't have a battle map for like, you know, the middle of the sea or the beach or something. So kind of have to do a little bit of abstraction there. But honestly, I, I, it worked and I felt good about rewarding the players for coming up with a good plan and basically executing and um, dividing and conquering a little bit here. And then trying to play these uh, Sawagen like they were, you know, kind of meatheads, but also not completely feral monsters and, you know, trying to get reinforcements and tactically be more mindful and everything so i was hoping we could get through the uh the hoach mirage thing but uh we'll get to it next time <laughs> if you notice i was very much like hey remember there's that door up there that's locked because I'm, I'm really hoping the players can obviously chat with him get a really good item uh probably get a good ally i'm just looking forward to a a very weird like social situation scene i can unleash uh which is all here in this new quarter uh by the way shout out to i think it was refus uh who pointed out the fact that i was using the deathlock white and he was like well you know the deathlock actually looks kind of more like what you're thinking of using i'm like or how did the conversation it was something like well why does what does roll 20 use the deathlock white when there's a deathlock right there and i was like oh that's a different stat block oh wait a minute i should use that stat block <laughs> so yeah there is a actual deathlock and not just a deathlock white which looks more like a I don't know, like a baby lich kind of thing, which is what I'm going for. Somebody who looks obviously undead and creepy, but maybe doesn't have all the powers of a lich. In this case, he's a kind of a CR4 undead spellcaster with like just auto attack easiness. So that works for me as a kind of temporary ally for the purposes of this dungeon. I think that will be uh, fantastic. We'll just straight up use the deathlock stand, stat block. Whether or not I let him actually have multi-attack, I don't know. It really depend on if the players need me to like bail them out or not. <laughs> but I think... Might just stick with the single attack because he's strong, probably strong enough as it is. And remember, the players are uh, only level four, so they do not have multi attack, and I don't really want to outshine them. Uh, they are also privy to some information that they know that there is a boss fight here, and that this, and, and that basically this was not a because going into it, I can see why they might uh, think that the shipwreck was just an encounter and not a dungeon, right? Because you could do that either way. You could say like, well, okay, the Sawagan, it's a, it's a notable location. It's a POI. It's a point of interest. And it's just crawling with these Sawagan. So it's kind of one fight you have to do. 
And they might have been thinking that, but since uh, Sabra was able to drink that potion of comprehension, actually learn the uh, the Sawagan language that they speak. A lot of creatures do that, by the way. They just have their own little inner language that really forces the players to kind of uh, use those kind of spells. And and then all of a sudden the play the the DM has to scramble and be like, oh shit, I didn't, I, I wasn't prepared for you to like know what they were talking about, and now uh, all of a sudden you do know about it. So I'll have to figure that out. But in this case, it was pretty good because I could tell him information and tease the fact that there's a bigger boss down here and that, in fact, this is kind of a little bit of a dungeon crawl. So that's what they will uh, be privy to here. And they are just kind of at the entrance to it. They, they beat up a bunch of bad guys. Um, so I'm not worried about pacing. And in fact, they'll probably go up and do that big social scene with Hoach Mraz, which the way I've written it in my notes is I'm not even going to have him. I don't think I'm going to have him attack anybody. They'll, they'll open the door. I'm going to have his sexy spell book sitting out. And either as soon as somebody touches the spell book or as soon as somebody opens the curtain, because there's that uh, weird ass big like curtain here that divides the room, uh, then he will and he will he will that will trigger his like, aha, I caught you red handed, you fish bastards. And then he will like act like he's about to spring an attack, but then he'll actually pull up at the last minute and be like, oh, wait, who are you? And he'll notice there's a bunch of like, you know, battle hardened adventurers all of a sudden in here. And he's kind of no fool, even though he's he's pretty strong. He doesn't know how strong they are. I mean, clearly they're here underwater and everything. So he might stop and be like, well, wait a minute. And and the interesting thing is I'm playing him like he's not some vicious undead bad guy. He's he's just kind of chill. <laughs> he has no big motivations um, in terms of his undead afterlife. Maybe he was like dabbling in Lichdom. He was kind of a minor wizard or, you know, as a deck wizard as part of this Kalashite galleon. But uh, he ended up becoming undead through reasons he might not even be quite sure. And he's kind of just, you know, undead and loving it. He's just enjoying his existence and likes this as a layer. And uh, maybe he always wanted to retire, you know, on the beach. And occasionally he, you know, swims up to the surface and enjoys things whenever it's, you know, quiet. And it's just, this is totally his place. And he has no big grand plans or grand schemes. He's just enjoying the solitude and everything. And... Thus, his only motivation now is because suddenly the Sawagan and the way I'm writing it is they haven't always been here. They've only been here recently. Maybe they only came in like, you know, a couple weeks ago drawn from the Nautiloid. And thus, they're now camping here. And normally, the Sawagan wouldn't be this close to um, the island of Gunderland. So maybe uh, the Sawagan have recently come in and thus now he's and he fought a bunch of them. That's why we've got a dead body here in the in his cabin. Uh, but he lost the battle lost his sexy staff of the Magi and was forced to retreat into this cabin and kind of lock in. And, and, and he's thinking, all right, I'll make my last stand here. I'll get him as they come in. This will be better. But then the Sawagan were like, well, fuck this. We know this guy's pretty strong. We've lost a lot of Sawagan. So we'll just chain this door up and forget about him <laughs> for however long it's been. So that's going to be his backstory. So when the players actually open the door, they basically freed him, but he's going to be like, hey, uh, adventurers, why don't you help me clear the Sawagan and you can help yourselves to all the loot and we don't have to fight each other. And I'm hoping the players will be on board with that. I would be shocked if they wouldn't be, frankly, because if any team has been gung-ho about working with uh, shady characters of all of our uh, campaigns, it's been this one. You know, and we don't have that, we don't have like the righteous paladin character or somebody who would be like, you know, fuck undead, no way I'm not working with you. So I think they'll uh, want to play ball for sure. So that's the fun scene I've got planned, which is why I kept reminding them of that. And I'll probably remind them again this Friday at the start of the session, because 
obviously getting the uh, the the quest giving ally NPC who can even join the party because we're going to be down a player again would be very very helpful for the party and helpful for my balancing purposes if I can throw that character their way uh, before they explore any more of the dungeon. Um, let's see, did I write down what that spellbook was? I think actually, I think I'm going to put it in roll twenty. So I can show you my ideas for the spell book, and we'll see how much you like it. Again, I was inspired by the book from Hocus Pocus, which had the single eye in it. So I just pulled this image off of uh, Google search. If you search for, like, dragon book or something. <laughs> uh, the idea is being it's uh, it's a book that's, instead of being the Necronomicon, which is all, like, you know, uh, human skin and creepy and has, like, the, the screaming mouth and everything, uh, this one is, like, more like a dragon skin and dragon hide book with the eye on there. It is going to be sentient. Um, but it's, it can only communicate via emotion. It's the idea is, um, maybe not a fully grown dragon, maybe just like a baby or something, but to where it was it had like a child's like, um, you know, intelligence level and emotion level. Um, let's see. And I've got stats on it, which I literally borrowed from the dragon young. I think I used the young dragon. I can't remember if I used young or wormling actually. It has a particular affinity for dragons. And reptilian creatures such as dragonborn, lizard folk, and kobolds. It seeks to align itself with those creatures and aid them whenever possible. So again, this is I'm like obviously saying, hey wizard, here's your spell book. Uh, if the user tries to harm such a creature outside of immediate self-defense, the book will rebel against its user, which could be interesting if we end up having to fight like a dragon or something. Rumor has it the book was once a young dragon who was cursed or transformed into a book. So it's got the enduring spellbook quality, which it can't be damaged. Obviously, that's why it's still around here, fully immersed in water. Uh, I also gave it the ability to breathe. Um, uh, a breath weapon, basically. I forget. Uh, let's see. Did I use? I either use the potion of fire breath or literally the fire breathing spell, um, or the breath weapon spell, whatever, or or the dragonborn one. I I based this on all those different abilities, but the fact that you could actually choose, or I could change it. Where maybe you roll the dice. That could be interesting. Let's see. Acid, cold, fire, lightning, poison. One, two, three, four, five. That's a D five. I wonder if you can come up with one more thing into a D six. That might be more interesting. Uh, so as an action, you can open the book and basically have it, uh, give yourself like a, uh, burning hands ability to be able to cast it. Uh, and you can use that feature number of times equal to your efficiency bonus, but you can use additional uses as if they were kind of like spell slots. So you can, uh, increase the damage by 1d6 if you wanted to use like, so like what, right now they have what, two proficiency bonus. So you could use it two times per day, or you could choose to use it once per per day and then just increase the damage and make a bigger attack. I thought that would be a little more interesting and I always like giving items to the players that l allow them to make choices when using those items. Also to make it not just, hey, okay, it's a burning hands. Um, after using this ability, you gain resistance to the damage type until the end of your next turn. So kind of a temporary like absorb elements on top of that based on what damage you chose. Now I'm thinking it may be interesting if I added a bit of chaos in there and made you roll, or maybe that would be just like, oh, I'm never going to use that because it's like, that's not very useful. So I don't know. But my original thing was just to literally copy whatever uh, spell that was that allowed you to choose acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison, uh, which I think are all the main, if we just look at the base 5e D&D dragons, I think that's all the damage we can do. I don't think there's like a sonic dragon or a force dragon i mean they've added them since and obviously with fizz bands and all those they've added different kinds of dragons but i'm like just at the base level like bronze brass blue black you know all those kind of dragons i think that's all the damage types that we have covered so that's my idea for the spell book and i did say additional abilities may unlock as you travel together obviously i love the uh what is critical role call that a certain kind of item vestiges of something 
Um, and I've been I've used that a few times too, where it's like a signature item. Uh, Frey has the uh, had the axe uh, that she was able to attach uh, runes to in our last campaign. Uh, I just I think that's a cool idea. If you give somebody a signature thing, then it feels really cool if they can like level up that thing as they level up if if they get it kind of early enough. And I mean, if it's good enough, you may not have to do that, but that's just maybe you can unlock abilities or something, especially if it makes sense in the context of the story where it's like, hey, this is a, you know, a sentient spellbook. So maybe it can gain new powers somehow or just being nice to it. Oh, is necrotic missing from it? Can any of the uh, dragons do necrotic, though, or they only do like poison? That's the question. He's the Leslie Nelson of uh, Leslie Nelson of liches, undead and loving it. Yeah, Nielsen. I thought it was Leslie Nielsen. Is it Nielsen or Nelson? I don't forget. So that they can grab, and then he will say he'll give his speech about help me, you know, clear the which they, they'll want to do that anyway, right? Their quest is already to clear the Sawagan. So really, he's just there to. Uh, give the players additional rewards and frankly just give them another allied npc and just a fun social situation so i'm looking forward to doing that um and i would probably add the you know hey find his staff as a quest i guess but the weird thing is that quest they're gonna have it forever but it's just kind of a tease it's like hey this is out there this exists in this campaign but it's not until like probably early act three that they're going to get it if, if we count act one uh as everything we've done so far plus finishing gunbar uh gunderlin so let's see what are we going to be at 12 sessions we'll still spend uh the all of bronzo mine and we'll probably have to have another set like whatever gets us to uh going to neverwinter again and then act two begins and that's going to be you know the uh, neverwinter defense and then the kind of open world section of going to all these different places. Uh, and then Act 3 will be once we've finally gotten the final location that we need to go to, uh, which is the Purple Rocks area. That is my... Yeah, Chapter 1. The Wreck. What was I going to look at? W1. Uh, I'm getting rid of the trap in the chest. I don't think we need that. Um, and he does have some loot in here, some really good loot, actually, a diamond, hundreds of gold, a spyglass engraved with his name in a watertight leather sheath. I don't know why it's worth a thousand gold. It's going to be gold plated then? Platinum plated? Gem of Sing is a really good item. Requires attunement, but gives you, uh, true sight out to 120 feet for 10 minutes. So just negate any kind of shadowy or... Invisible bullshit that the DM can throw at you. One of those things that I, if I give it to him early enough and then I later try and be like, all right, here's what I'm going to do with these creatures. And then the player uses that ability. I'm like, oh, right. You've you've got that ability that completely negates that. <laughs> I may move that gem. I don't know. I guess because it says as written, what he rewards them with uh, is a lockbox with a bunch of potions inside. Which is fine, I guess. Potion of Vitality, Potion of Greater Healing, and Potion of Mind Reading. Um, but I don't know if he would... But why? If he's got a lockbox with... I guess he hasn't opened it ever, because then it would damage them. So we'd have to give it to him and be like, Alright, there's potions in here, but don't open them underwater, because... 
they're not sealed, but the case is sealed. Maybe that makes sense. And his gem is just kind of hanging out in a desk drawer. But he can offer to be like, and he's got the key, so he'll be like, look, I can give you some rewards. He can be like, I'll give you some up front and then help me clear the Sawagin, and then you can have uh, you can have the rest. And he's willing to part with the spellbook. I thought that'd be a funny fray, uh, a funny speech where he's like, yeah, me and the spellbook haven't seen eye to eye since I went dead, since I went undead. Um, the book barely looks at me, speaks to me. You know, I don't really need that book, and I just want to get rid of the book, and I've got, I can just use my own. Or maybe he hasn't even attuned to it. Maybe he's got his own book or something. He's got like a seaweed thing. <laughs> Does he really need a spell book at this point? I don't know. But he's he's not enjoying his spell book, so that's why he's willing to give it up uh, peacefully, assuming the players are not going to come in swinging. Uh, let's see, what else? This is a tricky situation where the players were kind of up here... Uh, in this area, W9, when very clearly all the battle and the noise would have alerted all these creatures down here, but that would have just been too much fighting, and I don't know. I didn't want to do it. I just felt like that's throwing too much combat at the players too quickly. Although, honestly, they're doing really great, considering they're down a player, and they just fought a whole bunch of Sawagan. They don't even have to short rest, which is good. Now, because of our new house rules, the short rest only takes, what, 5 or 10 minutes? So they can still short rest without running out of breath, which will be useful for them and allow us to get hopefully everything done within the one hour limit of being in here. Also, I did have Gottwald roll for that frigid waters effect, uh, which is just an, another ongoing environmental hazard to this dungeon where they have to roll a... Do I have to click on frigid water? Yeah, it's a DC 10 con save or gain a level of exhaustion. Uh, so because he was in the water longer, because he specifically went out and then played as bait, went back, and basically had that whole beach combat in the water before the players went in, I had him on a slightly different, which is trickier for me to keep track of, but I've got him on a different timer than everybody else. So Gottwald ha has just rolled his save and succeeded, and then after the next encounter, which in I'm using the word encounter as literally anything the players do, basically, which uh, Hoach Mraz would count as an encounter, um, even though they're not going to fight him, hopefully. Um, after they do whatever they, they do next that takes up some amount of time, then Mac and Sabra will have to make the save. Uh, and then uh, after the next one they do, then Gottwald make the save. So I basically got them on an, an every other kind of encounter to make them uh, make that con save. Just as, as a fun little way to be like, all right, it's getting, a, you know, even though you guys are magically able to breathe the water, it's still very cold and uncomfortable and you do not like being down here and... Uh, thankfully the first, what is it, level I think of exhaustion isn't too bad. Ability checks, obviously not great, but there's not like any puzzles or huge things they have to do down here. Um, I guess initiative is technically a ability check, we always forget about that. Uh, I believe once you start getting like second and third level exhaustion though, it gets real nasty. Because they already have, uh, like halved movement, except for Gottwald I believe. I think the other two have half movement because they don't have the swimming speed. They also know kind of where this Sawagan was going. So I kind of pointed the fact that the Sawagan was going down this door, which also leads to the boss, uh, even though they don't necessarily know that information. So, But I'm fine with them fighting the boss fairly early. Um, it doesn't really change anything about this, you know, the cadence of what's going on here. I don't know how much Hoch Mraz would know in terms of, you know, I don't, I don't think he was privy to them having prisoners or have the players 
know they have prisoners or anything like that. So it could be a weird case where they skip the lower level, but I'll try to remind them as a DM in case they don't think of it is like, hey, by the way, you would know there's a lower level to this deck that you need to check on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm okay with them fighting a Karg. And if they have Hochmaraz with them, then I feel better about Karg summoning his sharks kind of behind the player. And it may be an interesting situation where the players are like kind of, you know, backed up and in different spots. And these sharks can literally appear anywhere on the map. Um, it's just water because they've got that shark telepathy out to 120 feet. So just if there's any sharks in the vicinity, you know, that's just something he will call out as a reinforcement. Uh, and I just thought that would be good fun for to bring those in. I mean, they, these are really, they, they were one hit fucking shooting these sharks down. Now, granted, that was with Mac on the surface and in the water. Uh, with this advantage, it's a little trickier for him. But these guys could be uh, anywhere they need to be. And in fact, they could even... It even says uh, the players could, or anybody could, bash through the walls. Chip's timber frame has rotted over the years, weakening it. A character can destroy a five-foot section of wooden wall, including doors, by attacking it. The walls have AC 14 and 20 hit points. It's not something I really want to track, frankly. If somebody wants to... If somebody can hit AC 14, then I would probably allow them to do it. But that would be a cool cinematic thing, is like one of the sharks just like literally from... Was the early Little Mermaid animated movie, Disney's Mermaid, uh, the shark like ripping through, you know, the the old boat or something. Especially if this guy's calling for allies, I thought that'd be pretty cool. The only thing I don't uh, necessarily have a way to do is to actually open a, a way because of it's all one big, uh, it's all one big dynamic lighting chunk. There's not really a good way to just delete unless I was literally making five foot sections or something, which is tedious as hell. Uh, which I, most people don't do that then. Uh, I, the only thing I could do is is script it to set it up where a certain section explodes and like use a secret door or something maybe, but then I'd have to redo this little dynamic lighting, so probably not worth the effort of having to put that together. Uh, let's look at Karg though. Let's just see how nasty this dude is. These Sawagan Barons. So again, they probably know the boss is down there. Uh, the boss, when they open the door, I moved the Mimic, by the way. The Mimic is now on the north side of the map, so I don't have to fuck around with that. Um, he's by himself, but he could summon sharks either in the first round or the second round, depending on how bad things are going. And, uh, there's no surprise round when they open the door. Well, I say that, um, the idea is he's, like, carving this. He, he's, he's a true believer and he's carving the statue to, to, that looks like a mind flare. He thinks these are their new gods. And I think he's supposed to notice when they open the door. So the players can't surprise him. But obviously I don't want him to. But he's been so absorbed that like no matter what the fighting is, he would also not come out of the room to do anything. He's definitely like waiting for them to come fight him. Unless he's joined the fighting area W13. But I would not have him be summoned uh, to 13 either way, so he's fully absorbed. And, and frankly, the, the monsters in W13, even though it makes sense that they would come up here, I really don't want them to. I And if, uh, if I mention the fact that, hey, it's open on the bottom, you can poke your head down and see that, I would let the players probably do that. And maybe... Ooh, maybe I could have, like, a cutscene of uh, them, like, shoving one of the prisoners in there or something, just to, like, get, let the players know. That there's somebody, that there's prisoners down here. And then have the other Sawagan just like, I don't know, milling about or something. Maybe even put the two. Maybe I'll put the, hmm. 
could put the two Sawagan down here as guards. I don't know. I, I also replaced... Uh, I replaced the, the... There's no longer three Sawagan. There's one Sawagan... Oh, sorry. Marrow. There's no longer three Marrow. There's only one Marrow and then two Sawagan down here because I thought the Marrow was just kind of a bridge too far. Um, but I like the idea of them not having been alerted to the players at the moment, but the players, like, they're kind of right there above them. I, I, yeah, I guess it doesn't make sense unless unless these guys were already absorbed in their own thing, which let's say that. Let's say they just recently captured somebody and they were putting them in the uh, the magic air bubble room. Which I still got to put tokens in there. I've been putting this off forever. Uh, let's see. Do we have like a commoner token we can use? It's not going to be in this version because this doesn't have any rollable tokens, I don't think. But maybe we can come up with, let's see, the bard. A dude with a flute. Probably work. That could probably work. It's supposed to be four of them, but I don't know if I want to put four people in here. It's also supposed to be like four people from various ships, and I think for my story purposes, it would make sense if they were all from Fiskerbach. I guess maybe one or two could be from a ship. This is uh, W15. Westra being one of them would definitely be pretty fun. Commoner, Bard, Druid, and Bandit are the four stat blocks that are supposed to be here, but I don't uh, think it matters too much. We just throw some tokens in there that make it look like it. How about a cat? We'll do a cat. I'm trying to look through the... I guess I could also look at the compendium and actually look at the commoner stuff for there. Or go to the good old art gallery. Because uh, I've noticed the last couple Roll20 official 5e campaigns... Roll20 has actually done a ton of tokens and token art, and that has been just really nice to have. Oh, that's a good-looking one, Necromancer. Bad thing is if these characters are actually used somewhere, then they'll be like, wait a minute, I saw you before. And I'm not actually putting these real stat blocks. These are literally just tokens of commoners. Uh, Thug's a little too obvious. We've seen that one a ton of times. What does a veteran look like? Same as the champion, actually. I need at least one, like, mom-looking character, though, for Westra. Alright, let's try looking at uh, the Planescape Gallery, because that was a good one. Plane, P-E, Portal, P-L... Is it under plane? There it is. Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse. Lots and lots and lots of tokens. Bats and bears and centaurs and rats. Or cranium rats, too. Uh, well, I need lots of modrons. I need just people. <laughs> there we go. Elves. There's some cool-ass elves in here. Really cool token art. I kind of just need human though. Lots of good gith pictures. Look at all these gith tokens. Ah, oh, they're just so good. 
Fantastic. Loving this art. It looks so good. Basically, every every time you see like artwork in uh the book somewhere, Roll20 turns a token into it. And this is really well looking. There we go. That's a good Westra. Gonna drag your ass right there. Excellent. Right your stupid thingies. I don't need your nameplates on there. I guess that's always gonna show up if they have hit points at all. Okay, we'll just leave like that. Um, I don't really think it matters who they are, what they are. We're not gonna put the treasure there. The big thing we need to change is where the players get the important information that they need from here, which is the fact that. Well, it's, it's the map. So there's an actual handout they can get. Uh, which, I don't know, is that actually... I don't see it as a handout now. I, I think it's a handout somewhere, but I don't see it in the chapter one. Maybe it's in its own section. Player handout. Mysterious map. Nope, that's the one I made. <laughs> Uh, I guess I made all these handouts. Message from King Red X, Limited Captain Sigurd. <laughs> I've already forgot about the shit I've made. Uh, okay. I could have sworn there was a handout of this. There are handouts that had this smudgy thing with the city circled. Alright, I guess I'm making this up. Maybe it just didn't get added to roll 20 somehow. Well, the important thing. As well as the prisoner's gear, the chest contains a muddle of parchment and scrolls that contain indecipherable scrawlings. Uh, I don't know if the designer just forgot the fact that we're underwater. I guess it's in an air bubble, that's why. So you could still have parchment in there. One piece of parchment sticks out as it has a map of the sword coast scrawled upon it. The cities of Neverwinter, Waterdeep, and Baldur's Gate have been blotted out with black ink. The city of Waterdeep is also circled. Characters with the pirate or sailor background know that such a map signal signifies a coming pirate attack. So that's all. And it says the map should prompt them to journey back to the Sword Coast where they uncover a series of planned pirate attacks upon major cities. So, while I could keep that, I think it would be more interesting and engaging if the players learned this information from either the shield of far sight which is literally an eyeball that the mind flayers can see out of and use to basically control uh the sawagan and kind of impose their will upon them which i may turn that into i'm gonna think of it why isn't that in the boss's room why is that its own area should i just combine those two areas Desecrated shrine. The cabin is clearly a shrine to some demon who has recently vandalized. The walls are covered with carvings of sharks, but they've all been scratched over, destroying the crude workmanship that went into them. Hundreds of shards of coral litter the floor, but here you make out the odd chunk that resembles a fin. Second top of coral plinth is a shield with, with a single eye in the center, slowly it blinks. I've been rack, racking my head trying to figure out which of these two areas I want to feature this cutscene in, and why don't I just combine these two rooms and make it so the boss room is just the one important room where you get that information from, and then also you fight the boss. 
right? Like, and then I can just fucking close this door and not and just pretend this room doesn't exist and there's just nothing here. That seems to make more sense. And then I don't have to worry about them searching all the way up here where there's just fucking nothing. So if we do that, then we can say that he's been carving... And, and, I, and I've always talked about maybe not wanting to give them a literal shield of Farsight, which is this shield that has been enchanted with a magic eye that the Mind Flayer can Mind Blast out of, which is an incredibly powerful ability that Mind Flayers can do. It's an AoE stun and does uh, psychic damage. And it's on a recharge. It's not even like a spell that they cast for limited points per day. I mean, it's just it recharges, so it has a chance of coming back every six seconds. So they can do it constantly. Now, you can do interesting things with this. You can go like, you know, the one ring and it like corrupts the user or whatever it does it with this one shield. But, um, or and, and you could turn the shield into a different kind of item, I guess, because I don't think, even though Gotwald's actually using a shield underwater right now, he doesn't normally use a shield, I believe. I mean, I could, but I'm just trying to come up with something better than a map, I think. So, my idea is. Especially if we put the shrine in the boss room, then we can trigger a little bit of a scene. Maybe as soon as they open the door, and then maybe the maybe the boss is receiving a message, and it's just a psychic call, and the players all hear it too because it's just kind of a open channel <laughs> uh, psychically, and it's basically commanding. Um, the Sawagan, like, you know, gather your forces. It, it's just literally an ongoing message to, like, all the forces across the sea that have been building up. And it's like, the time is nigh. Um, you know, we attack the Sword Coast. I guess I gotta be careful about what their actual goal is, because I think when we get to Chapter 2, it's actually they have, like, specific things they're trying to do, whereas I'm maybe spinning this as, like, this is their first big assault. Maybe their goal is to take out Neverwinter first, and that can be part of their thing. Like, Never Neverwinter will be our beachhead. We'll conquer the city, take it over, and, um, you know, expand our rule across the coast. Blah, blah, blah. Villain, villain speech, villain speech, villain speech. And this will be their first big, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> they only just recently discovered, like, you know, who the baddies are, and now the baddies are actually, like, way more organized and already have all this... Uh, you know, capability and minions and things that the that they had no idea about, basically. So even though, and, and so I like the the concept here, story wise, is that even though they've they've saved this one island and cleared the Swagan out, although they haven't quite saved it because there's actually a mind flare in Bronze Mine that they take out. Um, now they'll have like the wider problem to deal with, the much bigger threat as they advance to uh, fifth level after they clear Gunderland as well. So. Narrative that works very well, but I just think uh, for getting that information, I think it'd be cooler to receive it like a psychic message from the villain, like literally like Zelix 4 inhabiting the Kraken, who has become like a super-powered psionic threat, uh, will be broadcasting this message, and they'll get that as soon as they open the door. And then, of course, um, you know, the boss will be sitting there, like, you know, listening as well, and then he'll turn as everybody, and that'll make sure there's no surprise rounds or anything, he'll turn as because they open the door and 
you know, pointing him with his forearms and going to attack them. So they'll get the information, then they'll have the boss fight. I think that'll work out a lot better than just trying to find a parchment in a chest that like has very vague like circles around cities and you're supposed to extrapolate like okay this means there's going to be an attack on these cities <laughs> whereas i'm like all right no specifically there's a call out all the villains bad guys are heading to neverwinter to go conquer it like right away and the players are like oh shit and you know the nice thing is they'll need to turn in the quest to gunbark anyway so they'll have to go there to pick up their ship to go back to neverwinter so don't have to worry about them uh, forgetting anything Hopefully they don't literally feel like they have to go skip Bronzo Mine because we are also creating that content there. And uh, that's something they should go do just in case there's, you know, loose ends. Um, and won't take too long, hopefully. But I, I do want them to be, like, behind, too. They've been behind this whole time in terms of, uh, you know, investigating and chasing to what the villains have been doing. And then they'll kind of catch up to real time in terms of the villains plans right when they arrive at Neverwinter they'll be Neverwinter will be like under siege and allow them to like break the siege and do all that fun stuff and yes that's going to be a bear and a half to prep because I have no maps whatsoever for any of the Neverwinter stuff uh we're just going to come up with a lot of town maps and, and and specific encounters to the best of my ability similar I think to how we did uh, chapter four of uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, where uh, spoilers, it was them chasing the uh, the Shardle and Dragon uh, in that campaign when it was uh, strafing down East Haven, and I had to create kind of a a number of encounters for uh, in the town that they had to deal with while they were trying to catch up to that. So in this case, it would be a kind of a similarly structured uh, situation, but uh, I, again, I just don't have the the maps for it and necessarily the content. If he has four arms, he also has four forearms. <laughs> is that like 16 arms? Sure, I bet it is. Um, for the Sawagan Baron. We were, we were going to look at this that block. So I think I'm going to make that change. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically just eliminate room W14 and move the shrine to the boss room. And then I can do all of that together. Make sure that happens in that scene. And then also trigger this boss fight. And I think that's going to work so much better. And then he can call the sharks and have this big old thing. Now, it's up to the players whether they want to trigger that as soon as they want to or if they want to explore other areas of the ship before that. Um, yeah, the only other ones of note, as I mentioned, there's the, the the prisoners down below. And there's a fight down there with some bad guys. There's a fight with a giant fucking lightning eel, which is nasty, uh, which is guarding a little bit of random treasures like some ingots down there. Uh, and then there's actually treasure room up here, which is guarded by the underwater mimic. Although that's also can be an environmental puzzle. I'll have the words like, or not words, it'll be uh, symbols. It'll be like a, a crude symbol of a, of a fish and then a uh, kind of a symbol of the door, basically. Or maybe just a, maybe a fish with like an arrow at the door. Make it like real cryptic and confusing. And then the players have to figure out like, wait, where the fuck? <laughs> what do we do with this door? And then if somebody grabs it, it's a mimic. All right, Mr. Baron, how strong are you? I thought we figured out your boss room a little bit. The Swagan Baron has an AC of 16. That's a lot higher than the average Swagan. He wears a breastplate. Average hit points of 76. I did roll at one point uh, last week, I guess, uh, for hit points. My general rule is that if it's a named boss, I always roll, but I keep rolling until I get higher than average. In this case, I got quite a bit higher. 89 hit points for that boss. Pretty damn good deck saves defensively. So he's got the AC of 16. 
saving throws, dex plus five, con plus six, intelligence plus five, wisdom plus four. Dude is an absolute champ when it comes to saves. He's at CR five. He's got the Sawagan Blood Frenzy, so advantage on attacks, and he's got triple attack uh, against any creature that doesn't have all of its hit points. That could be very dangerous. He has a plus seven to hit. Um, mainly melee, if they find a way to like root him or something, he's in trouble, because all he's got is his uh, throne trident, which I guess he can only do once. <laughs> so he's kind of inept... Um, if he can't get to somebody in melee range. But otherwise, absolute vicious, vicious beast. We can see what those attacks... I mean, just... um, Let's see, with advantage... Let's give him the Whisper Toggle. See if that whispers correctly. I believe it does. So a 19 would hit everybody for 8 piercing damage. Two of its claws are trident. I guess you could always say, well, he's using his claws instead of his... Trident if you need to dumb him down, but... Well, it is nice if he throws his trident, then I guess he's got his claws, so there's that. Uh, 25 will hit for 16 damage. There's only two of his three attacks, and then another trident. 12 will not hit anybody. So right there, that round, he did 24 damage in a round. Could be pretty nasty. <laughs> Could be pretty nasty. Coach Mraz, save us. So we'll see how he... I, I could see him not summoning the Sharks in the first round. Maybe the second or third round, though. Uh, we could have some Sharks show up, especially if somebody's like... If Mac's just back there, like, just peppering him with arrows or something, that would be fun to have Sharks just run up on Mac and really fuck him up, so... I want this to be a good boss fight, though. I want it to be, you know, nasty. I just have to be wary of the fact that the players are down a party member, and if I need to make... Some adjustments. The best adjustment always is hit points, right? I can always adjust hit points. If the players get him down to like 20 hit points and they're just on their last legs, then, you know, we I'd probably pull the trigger on having him go down or something. Or maybe he retreats, although it feels kind of lame for the boss to retreat, right? You don't ever want the boss feels like he should go down with the captain needs to go down with the ship, I feel like. It also feels like he should summon the guys down here, but... I don't know, man. I think it would be just way too bad if these guys got involved. And maybe, again, if the players want to... I could point out the fact that, hey, this area below you is also open. And if somebody pokes their head... But you can, like, hear... Maybe that's how I'll describe it. Like, you can hear sounds from down there. And if they poke their head down, they can just see uh, two Sawagan... Or maybe maybe I'll describe the marrow. This, this large... What is the fucking difference between a mare and a wagon? I don't know. It's just way bigger. Um, do Sawagan have legs? Or are they fishy on the bottom? <laughs> I literally do not know. What do they look like on the bottom? Because the marrow straight up looks like a, a mermaid, but with like a shark head. Shark head! Uh, I don't know what a Sawagan looks like. On the bottom. Unfortunately, all the tokens. I feel like I need a handout version, not a token. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so Wagon's got fucking feet. They're webbed feet, but he's got feet. The marrow. 
is a straight up like merman, but like a shark dude. So that's a lot but a different. Coastal bullies. Stronger than that swaggin for sure, and, and just straight up larger. So I could probably describe that character as throwing a person in this room, but you, maybe you can glimpse that the room somehow has air in it, and then he shuts the door, and then two Sawagans stand a guard there, and he swims, I don't know, back somewhere. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> he's doing something. Sifting through crap down here. Maybe the Sawagans are just only been here so long. That may, might make the most sense. Maybe they're still looting through things and looking at stuff. I don't know. And yet somehow had the technology to set up this prisoner den of people to save. I, I don't, unlike um, the prisoners at Salvage Operation, I really don't have anything for these characters to do or any kind of relevancy in the story. We can just say that they're, like I said, most of them are from are just the survivors from Fiskerbach. I just, I, it's nice, I think, if players feel like they can sur uh, rescue people rather than just avenge them. So they're there to be rescued, and this the dark thing is the fact that uh, Burns' mom is here. <laughs> She's like, and maybe she can give some more context about um, the fact that the family was split up, and the boy and the father um, were sent to the mine. Um, and but I guess it's like I I know they're so strong and whatever, and then she can describe the son, and the players can be like, well, shit. <laughs> I don't know, we're sea trolls? I don't know. I think there's already a sea troll, or maybe it's just a troll with a swim speed uh, in terms of a variant stat block. So I might let the players look at the. Unfortunately, if you describe this room to them, they'll be like, oh, we need to go down there and kick those guys' asses, which they can. But then I'll also remind them of the cool, you know, chain door that they need to explore. So those are the three main points of interest is Hochmaraz, uh room up there, which they have no idea what's in there, the boss, which they don't know. You know what to expect there, but they kind of know the general direction that the boss is like this way. Uh, and then I can describe them fairly quickly since they're in this area about the the hold in uh, W13, which is where the mayor, the two Sawagan, and then I can kind of play out a cutscene of the prisoners. So they know they can uh, rescue somebody. And then, as I mentioned, the only thing left is uh i'll keep the giant lightning eel in this one room and some loot they can grab although that eel's also real fucking nasty the boss fight honestly a lot of the um challenge of the boss fight is how fucked up they are going into it because right now they're pretty fine i think sovereign still got a lot of spell slots left and uh neither of them took take damage gotwald's been a little injured but nobody's even had to short rest like everybody's looking fine but if they start doing some of the other battles before they do the boss then they're going to be in a lot worse shape. And in terms of the treasure room, I think I'm keeping that. Uh, although I, I, I'll need to change the leather mariner's armor because I believe nobody here uses leather armor. Armor is going to be so annoying for this party. <laughs> um, I guess Toral now uses... Gosh, does he use heavy or medium? I guess he uses medium armor. I think he uses medium armor. Because uh, he's got some solid decks. And he's uh, subclass or he's multi-classed into fighter, which allowed him to use... Actually, I think fighter lets him use heavy armor, but... He's got a plus two to dex. So he might not even need heavy armor. Yeah, medium armor on that. So, 
I guess he's the best one that can wear armor because Mac as a turtle doesn't wear armor. And Savra as a lizard folk and a wizard definitely doesn't wear armor. Gottwald is the fighter who wears heavy armor. So weirdly, nobody actually wears light armor. So I don't I need to change the other mariner's armor to something else. I feel like I've given them a lot of defensive stuff already, also. Somebody's got a cloak protection. Uh, they've already got one mariner's armor thing. So I need some kind of other what rarity is this? It's an uncommon magic item. So I feel like I need to replace this with maybe another uncommon magic item that they could use. I think they've already got a bag of holding. They've already got the drift globe. Um, yeah, I, feel, I love, I, I'm going to give them the cube of force. I think that's a cool item. Requires attunement. I mean, they're going to get a good chunk of loot from here. They didn't get basically anything from the crash site. So this is kind of like an extension of the crash site. Uh, but they'll get the spell book, which is going to require attunement. There's that gem of seeing Hoch Maraz has, which requires attunement. The cube of force here requires attunement. Uh, and then I think they'll have a bunch of potions as well and a lot of monetary loot. The one thing I'll need to change is Leather Mariner's armor. They really don't have a lot of weapons. Uh, Max got a plus one bow and he only got that from random loot drop. And then Toral's got the special plus one spear I gave him in Salvage Operation. I guess uh, uh, Sabra's about to get a book, but that's more of an item than a weapon. So poor Gottwald needs something. I need to figure out. He's got a whole laundry list of things. Some kind of like anchor-themed weapon. It's very early in this campaign. I'm already making all these like custom magic items. I usually didn't do that for Rhyme until much later. Uh, because I just... I don't know. That's when... I feel like there's enough magic items in Tier 1 and most of Tier 2 where you can just kind of use things from... The Dungeon Master's Guide versus when they start leveling up in a Tier 3, then you kind of have to start coming up with your own stuff a lot more. Same with monsters. But we may have to look for maybe just the equivalent of a plus one fist weapon or something that he would like. Or, uh, uh, yeah, like some kind of anchor-themed weapon. I know he really liked using... He really wanted to like delve into the whole sea pirate theme in a cool way. And I think giving him some kind of... Because again, after after this and Bronzo Mine, they're gonna be level. They're level four for a while. They've been, they, you know, they, they leveled to three after only two sessions. Uh, they've been level four. I believe this is the third uh, session. I think they've been level four at no fourth. I think this is the fourth one. We did. Let's see the crash, part one, part two, and three. This will be the fifth one. Jeez, because this is gonna be Wreck of the Golden Crown part two. So this will be the fifth session they've been at level four. I would love for them to finish Wreck of the Golden Crown this Friday because we're not going to be here the next two weeks. We're going to go on a holiday break. And obviously I want to start us on a good end point. It would be nice to be able to wrap up an area and then have that be the break for two weeks rather than like, okay, we're at the end of this area. We haven't gotten it done yet. So hopefully we can get started uh, on time and... Uh, maybe go a little bit later, but I would love to be able to get through this whole area on Friday, which is kind of a lot to ask for. And it's unfortunate we couldn't get through at least one more like room or encounter uh, last week. But last week was just a bitch trying to get going. Because in, in my estimation, if I, I could remove the lightning eel, 
And we've got Hoach Mirage as a social encounter, not a combat encounter, hopefully. Uh, we've got the boss, which is going to be a big combat encounter. And we've got the uh, the, the hold creatures, which is going to be a semi-big combat encounter. Although the players, if I give them the information, they might try to do the same draw out, like, you know, some kind of plan thing, which also kind of makes it take longer. So that's already a lot to ask for. Um, and then if the mimic turns into a fight, damn, that could be a really long. So we may, I don't know why these quippers are here. I'm definitely not going to use these quippers now. Uh... I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know about the eel. The eel might just take up too much time. The eel, I may have to just maybe half its hit points or something. Maybe that'd be the best thing to do because it's really fun from a like, oh shit, and it like shocks the water all around you and does lightning damage, con save, all that. But the fact that it's got 50 hit points, I think it's, and it, God, it does a lot of damage too. I could see me cutting its hit points in half or, or, you know, it's a beast. It's not going to, if it gets tore up by one bad attack, it could just retreat. Also, it does not have to fight to the death. It's not a fucking cultist or something. So that's probably the better thing to do is if the players do trigger the lightning eel, I can do its initial cool thing. They can get a few blows in and then the eel would like immediately retreat after that or something, even though it's big and nasty. I can see that happening because pacing wise, man, I really want to get through this area in the next session where it's a two session area but it's it's gonna be tough but then we've got probably at least two sessions in bronzo mine so we're looking at what seven sessions at fourth level that's a lot and i bet a lot of campaigns if you looked at all of our campaigns and just campaigns in general i bet fourth level is probably the longest because the players are higher level they're not so squishy there's a ton of content you can throw at them that's very balanced, but more importantly, they haven't hit that giant-ass 5e 5th level power spike that really changes the whole dynamic of balance and brings it back over to the players in a big way to where now you have to start compensating in different ways and making sure you've got more action economy and doing all these things to challenge the players and just really changes the whole balance economy versus 4th level, which I think is a lot simpler. So I would imagine a lot of games probably run a lot longer at fourth level and that's definitely going to be the case here and i that's also want to drag it out too far because by then by the time they finish this it'll really feel like okay now we get to fifth level and i'm like yeah you still have bronzo mine to do and that's also kind of a dungeon crawl <laughs> so even i the dm am feeling like i'm stringing them along a little too far um at this one level but and i could see them complaining after they finished this up like they should have leveled up by now and i would almost agree with that but Bronzo Mine, thankfully, is all is it is a dungeon crawl, but I don't even think it's as combat heavy as this one is. I mean, this one is it's got a lot of creatures, and I think that one it does have a mind flare in it, which we'll have to talk about that when we talk about Bronzo Mine. But I, I don't think it has nearly enough uh, nasty creatures as one has, and obviously, it's also not tall underwater, so that's a little bit easier. So try to get through this. Um, and I could see me shaving off some hit points or creatures or something to make it happen. While still, you know, I think, I think there's still plenty of challenge here and a lot of cool things have happened, but the important thing they need to learn and do is that, oh shit, there's a big, you know, obviously clear this place of Sawagan so you can kind of save the island, but oh shit, there's a bigger attack coming on, uh, the mainland on the Sword Coast, Neverwinter, where all these characters met initially, uh, came out of in our session zero uh we need to get back there and you know kick those guys asses and so i'll and but hopefully they'll do bronzo mine next and then we can just montage them back to 
Dunbar pick up their ship ship with their big thick ram on the front. Uh, they'd probably have enough money to sell and upgrade things, but they wouldn't have the time, uh, which is good because they will have time after they save uh, Neverwinter and go back all the way over there and uh, deal with all that shit. After we do that big beginning of Act 2, then there'll be a little bit of presumably some downtime for you know the city to kind of repair itself and go out and get the quest and be able to uh, maybe do some more ship upgrades and shopping and all that crap and finally get to fifth level. Actually, no, not fifth level. I will level them up to fifth level before they go off to Neverwinter. Uh, so after they wrap up Gunbarg or Gunderland, and then they'll actually get to sixth level after they save Neverwinter. So it's going to be a weird, like we've been fourth level for like seven or eight sessions, and then we're only going to be fifth level for like, you know, maybe three sessions or something, depending on how long that whole city excursion is. But I figure that's going to be a huge, big event with a lot of stuff happening uh, with only one, with no opportunities to long rest, basically, uh, in between there. And that will just be a big moment. And then, boom, you're sixth level. So it's tricky with the pacing, but honestly, milestone leveling is still the way to go because then I can fully control all those milestones. So I think that's what's going to work. All right, I think that is going to do it for today's episode of Crafting the Deep. If you enjoy the content, please do check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Zenocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Christopher, Corey, Big Nut, John F., John L., Scott, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Kent, Crystal, Lake, Counselor, Andrew, Dale, The Relder, and Captain, Woody, 79, Stephanie, Andy, Patrick, Jason, C., Jason, T., and Ishmael. And Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Newman, Deathless Lounge, Sam, Lopez, Buds, Jerome, Nathan, Fazlika, Tortoise, Scott, Ruffus, Carolyn, Jerry, and Thomas. Thank you all very much for your support. I will see you for another stream of crafting the deep on thursday